Well, it is a great joy and a delight to be here with you again. I bring greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus uh, from the Trinity Congregation. Um, my wife and uh, daughter uh, were not able uh, to come, um, but uh, I appreciate uh, your continued prayers for the Lord's work there uh, in Taswell. Um, God has been very, very kind uh, to us uh, to be in a church um, for a long period of time um, is uh, kind of like being married for a long time. Um, it's a great blessing and joy, and it takes a lot of grace for God's people to love each other, particularly after you get to know each other, you know? Um, God's grace, indeed, is sweet and powerful and amazing. And uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, Christian unity. I remember years ago I, I attended a 50th wedding anniversary celebration of an older couple. And I'm not that far from <laughs> uh, my bride and, and, and myself being married 50 years. But this was many years ago and I thought, wow, 50 years. And... Um, I asked the lady, the bride, I said, do you have any, you know, words of wisdom that you would like to, to share on this uh, joyous occasion? And uh, <clears throat> she said, well, it's been a great blessing and great joy. She said, you know, the Lord is, is full of mercy. And she says, I, I've never even thought once of divorcing. She called her husband's name. Not even once. But she said, I have thought about murdering him several times. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, rejoice together in the Lord's um, goodness to give us this incredible blessing of having peace with our God through the Lord Jesus Christ and to uh, be able to share that one with another, this side of heaven. Uh, we all look forward to the day uh, when God will take us home after He has finished with us. And we will enjoy the presence of the Lord without sin. Uh, indeed, that will be glory. To be in the presence of the Lord welcomed because of the grace of God uh, saving us in this life. Well, um, our topic uh, that uh, the dear ones here at Bridwell Heights uh, have asked me to address is the will of God uh, for His church Christian unity. And so uh, if you would uh, turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John uh, chapter 17, <clears throat> John chapter 17. 
And uh, please give careful attention to the reading of God's holy word. Um, And if you are able, um, if you would stand with me. Hear now the word of the living God. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name. Which you have given me, I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory 
that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Please be seated. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Blessed Lord, we rejoice as your little children uh, that you planned and gave to your Son even before the foundation of the world was laid. And now you, O oh God the Son, have come and purchased that redemption. And you, O oh God the Holy Spirit, have come and taken out our dead hearts and given us a heart to repent and believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God come in the flesh. Lord, we beg that you would come by your Spirit this evening. And Lord, that you would continue to press your sweet, powerful gospel upon our hearts. Lord, we thank you for the gospel, the good news that you, Lord Jesus, came to rescue helpless, hopeless sinners. Lord, how we thank you for that mighty work that you have done in our hearts we who know you. Lord, you have, have given us the, the joy of, of looking to you, Lord Jesus. And the second we believed in you, you have justified us. Oh Lord, we thank you that our standing with you depends upon the perfect righteousness of your Son. His perfect sacrifice, his perfect life of obedience, that is imputed to us by faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, by the grace of God alone. Lord, we thank you that you have adopted us as your little children into your family. And we thank you that you are sanctifying us. And so, Lord, we are hungry as your little lambs this evening Lord, to be reminded of precious truths that you have taught us of old. And Lord, that you would even be pleased to come and, and make these precious, precious old gospel truths fresh to us. And Lord, that they would grip our hearts and our lives. That Lord, you would set us on fire for you, the living God. Because you are worthy, O oh Lord, to be loved and adored and praised. Lord, we desire in this church family to honor you, to lift up your name. Lord, the, the other congregations that are represented here, Lord, you know our heart's desire uh, is to do what we have been uh, uh, exhorted, Lord. In the last session, to love one another in you, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, come now by your Spirit and open uh, this, your holy word that we've read in the other passages that we will look at. 
and stir us up, Lord, uh, to learn and to practice and grow in Christian unity. That you would be praised. In Jesus we ask. Amen. <clears throat> Christian unity, um, unity, oneness, uh, it is an amazing blessing. It is something that the world uh, yearns for in a sense, and yet uh, it is perverted. Uh, Satan is a great counterfeiter. And he comes in the garden and entices Adam and Eve to reject the incredible sweet oneness that they uh, had been created to enjoy uh, for the counterfeit uh, oneness uh, of uh, standing against the living God uh, in uh, unity uh, with the evil one. Uh, praise God that even though Adam rebelled against the living God, uh, God came and broke uh, that perverted, uh, wicked uh, attempt uh, at uh, uh, the unity uh, that God uh, has designed uh, for his people. I will put enmity between you and the woman. He breaks the uh, so-called uh, uh, treaty of oneness that Adam and Eve wickedly uh, had entered into and proclaims the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in that day, that in the fullness of time the seed of the woman would come and crush the serpent's head, rescuing. God's people to enjoy once again uh, oneness with the living God. You can think of oneness in terms of, of closeness. You can think of, in terms of unity, in, in terms of uh, a friendship, uh, closeness in uh, a relationship. Uh, the first thing that I want us to look at uh, is that this matter of Christian unity of, of oneness, a godly oneness, is something that uh, it is the revealed will of God. And there are several aspects of, of that that we see in Scripture. We'll just touch on several uh, in uh, this first point. The will of God for His church is Christian unity. And we see that in this text that we read in John 17. Uh, we see that God himself is one. And that that is really the, the heart of, of this whole matter. Uh, that we are made in the image of God. And because of that incredible privilege, uh, that is where this idea and this concept of Christian unity comes from. It comes from God himself. Uh, we see it in Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let us make man in our image. The oneness of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We see that 
referenced here in John 17 several times where the Lord Jesus talks about the oneness that he and the Father enjoyed uh, even before the foundation of the world. Uh, This oneness that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit uh, enjoyed and Jesus focuses particularly on uh, the oneness that he and the Father uh, enjoyed, not to exclude the Holy Spirit, uh, but uh, that that oneness uh, that the Father and the Son enjoyed uh, is what we now, because of the redeeming work of Christ, uh, have the privilege of entering into, of having a taste of. Not only with God himself, but together uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We see secondly in this same passage, not only God himself uh, is the pattern for unity, uh, the very person of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, one in their being, one in their work, one in their words, whatever the Father says is what the Son says, and we won't take the time to go over and look at several passages in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, uh, now what the Father has given me, those are the words that I'm speaking. And uh, what, what the Son speaks, that's what the Holy Spirit uh, says. Um, but we also see in John 17, Jesus prays for unity. Uh, We see that God not only himself reveals to us that Christian unity is something we uh, were made and created to enjoy just because of who God is. But this is something Jesus prays for. And you remember when Jesus stood at the mouth of Lazarus' tomb, um, uh, Jesus declared, Father, I know you always hear me. Uh, The Father always hears His Son. Uh, Jesus always knows what to pray, unlike me. (laughs) Uh, I I praise God for some of the prayers that Jesus said. Uh, Father, Henry doesn't know what he's asking for. Don't don't give him that. He he doesn't want that, that lady to be his bride. He thinks he does, but no, that's not what he wants. That's not what he needs. Uh, But Jesus, he always knows what to pray for. And the Father always hears him. And so here in this prayer of John 17, you can rest assured that as Jesus is pouring out his heart to the Father, uh, the night before he went to the cross, uh, one of the themes that he keeps coming back to over and over in this prayer Uh, that the Father had sent him on this mission uh, to purchase redemption and that the Father was glorifying himself uh, now in the completion of this mission. And the fruit of this mission is going to be Jesus uh, redeeming the, the lambs that the Father has given to him so that the Father will be glorified. And these lambs are going to enjoy and through the redeeming work of Jesus enter in to oneness, unity, not only with God, 
uh, as, as God's little children adopted and held close into his family, but that as brothers and sisters, we get to enjoy this family experience and relationship to praise and serve our great God for all eternity. Uh, we get to do so now uh, just kind of learning to crawl a little bit like a little child. Uh, but the Lord will someday take us to glory and we will in the perfection of heaven enjoy for all eternity with God's people perfect oneness uh, to enjoy the presence of God and leaping uh, for joy in who he is. Well, the third uh, thing that we see, and I wish we had time to just spend a lot more time looking at these things. We're, we're just, you know, we're doing a, a 40,000 mile up in the airplane flyover, okay? Um, there are specific passages uh, uh, throughout the New Testament where we see God commanding us to be one, to have the same mind, uh, to stand firm together. Uh, we'll just look at a few uh, of them. Um, Turn with me to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Chloe's people, they had been talking. Chloe had told the Apostle Paul, Chloe's people had said, there's a, a breach of unity in the church of Corinth. All right, let's read about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, I beg you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. And so, basically, uh, what was going on in the church of Corinth, God's people had foolishly and wickedly divided up in little cheerleading squads. And they were kind of uh, viewing each other with disdain and suspicions. Um, well, I follow Paul. They had their little group. Now, I, I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. Well, I follow Christ. And the Apostle Paul shows how wicked and foolish this was. He says, <clears throat> is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. 
I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And so here's a passage where we see in verse 10, instruction, explicit instruction. God telling us as his people, as he wrote originally to the church at Corinth, this is God's eternal, infallible, inerrant word. I beg you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Ephesians chapter 4, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, uh, God has described in uh, glorious uh, uh, detail in a summary fashion, but detailed in that summary of the gospel, the good news, God. Look what God has done and is doing to save his people. That's the first three chapters. And then the last three chapters of Ephesians is the application, if you will, of those glorious truths. Therefore, here's what this means in your everyday life. And how does he begin? In chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so you see here that one of the things that flows out of having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ is uh, that we have the responsibility, the duty to be pursuing, running after Christian unity. It is the revealed will of God. It is a duty that God has placed upon us as God's people. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And what a contrast this oneness is with the oneness that we see uh, in the book of Genesis chapter 11. Of man coming together to build a tower, shaking his fist in the face of God Almighty. We will build a tower reaching to heaven. We can save ourselves. We do not need God. <laughs> Our culture is full of it. Our culture is consumed with this reapplication of this age-old rebellion to defy Almighty God and man save himself. Uh, statism, socialism, globalism, they're all tentacles of this same attempt. But it is all a perversion 
of the genuine, of the truth. That only in the redeeming work of Jesus Christ can there be true unity that is good and sweet and holy and blessed of God Almighty. In Ephesians chapter 2, we see that this oneness uh, is based upon the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. Uh, Here we have in the church at Ephesus uh, a little glimpse. There were two main factions of people. There were people who professed to be Christians from a Jewish background and people who professed to be Christians from a Gentile background. And we know just a little uh, a bit about how different uh, that um, those two groups were. Um, they didn't eat the same things. Uh, they uh, practiced all kinds of, of, of different uh, um, family traditions. <laughs> um, how are they going to have oneness? And um, when I was uh, in seminary up in Philadelphia, I had to learn four foreign languages. Um, I had to learn Hebrew, Greek, theology, uh, and northern. Uh, I, I was a fish out of water. I mean, I'd ride the bus or the subway, and I'd, howdy, and people would go, where is this guy from? This is a weirdo. He spoke. You know, he dressed me. Um, It was a culture shock for me and for them. Um, What is oneness based on? Well, it's based on the redeeming work of Jesus. And what an exciting thing that is because um, we uh, may be from similar backgrounds uh, or we may be from very different backgrounds. Uh, But the oneness that Jesus calls us to is not because we all have the same accent or the same uh, uh, background that we grew up in. But Christian unity is based upon Jesus. He's our Redeemer. And we belong to Him. Um, In Ephesians chapter 2, we see in verse 11 and following, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. 
and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off. That's Gentiles. We were far off. And he came and preached peace to those who were near, the Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his Spirit. And so this oneness we see uh, that is referred to here in chapter 4. Uh, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all who belong to our Lord Jesus. Another passage over in the book of uh, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, um, in um, Philippians 2, you have a series of, of statements. If this is true, then this is true. And these ifs are not iffy ifs, okay? These ifs are like when you were taking geometry and doing proofs. Now, be honest. You thought you would never use in any practical way doing geometry proofs. Well, here you go. We, we get to put it into practice. It's going to be very useful because just like if A plus B equals C and B plus D equals C, then A equals D. There you go. And so those ifs are declarations of a statement. And that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's not saying, now, I don't know whether this is true or not. He's saying, since this is true, then this follows. Look at verse 1. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And so here's another passage explicitly calling us uh, to the practice, to the pursuit uh, of Christian unity. Uh, let's look at another passage, Philippians chapter 4 in this same book. Um, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Now, I, I, I don't know a lot of names in this congregation, but what would happen if I had found out about some tiff that was going on between a couple of you ladies? And I stood up tonight and I called you by name 
Ms. So-and-so and Ms. So-and-so, I beg you to quit quarreling. <laughs> I mean, woo! And that's, that's what the Apostle Paul did. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Don't you know their faces kind of lit up a little bit? They were, they were a little embarrassed. I entreat Eodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And so here we have another example where uh, there was a problem in the church there in Philippi. And there were two ladies, and we don't know what the issue was, but they were having a hard time getting along. Uh, and, and they had at one time enjoyed the fellowship, the oneness, the unity of the gospel in serving with the Apostle Paul. But now something has come between them. And so the Apostle Paul urges them to agree in the Lord. Agree in the Lord. All right, let's look at, and this is the last one we'll, we'll look at, Romans chapter 15. And um, this one has been referred to as your Honda Civic passage. Okay, so here in Romans 15, and I'm just seeing if you're still awake, okay? It's really not talking about a Honda Civic, okay? But in Romans chapter 15, here we had two groups of people in the church at Rome. Those who were weak, who really didn't understand certain truths that God had revealed in Holy Scripture, the application of the gospel, now that Jesus had come, for example, the dietary laws of the Old Testament were no longer in force. But there were people who were weak in the faith who still believed that that was the case. And then there were people who were strong in the faith and they understood, I can eat shrimp, I can eat bacon. And these two groups were having a hard time living together in Christian unity. And we'll come back to this passage if we have time in a little bit. But look at Romans 15 verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement or perseverance and encouragement or comfort grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. And so there is in accord. 
and he's not saying, I want you to go and pile up into this Honda, okay? He's saying, I want you to experience Christian unity, to live in such harmony. Now, if you've ever uh, seen a symphony orchestra, anybody ever seen a symphony orchestra? Okay. And you know what happens before the, before the, the concert starts. Uh, uh, the players come out and they sit on the stage and, and they just all start playing. It's called warming up if you're a musician. It's kind of fun. You know, everybody's doing their own thing. The trumpet's over there and the violins are just... And it's just a cacophony of sound. It's just... Be like if I went over to the piano and just started, you know, randomly just, you know, ooh, kind of kind of hard to listen to. And then the conductor comes out. Everybody's quiet. And the first violinist gets up and gives an A, and everybody tunes to the same pitch. And then there's quiet, and then the conductor starts. And all of these instruments that just a few minutes before were just a cacophony of sound that was really kind of grating on you, if you let it, now are playing together in incredible harmony. Uh, those that have the melody, there's, there's uh, harmony parts that are entering in. And it's all being done at just the right time and rhythm. And it's an amazing expression of oneness and unity. And that's the picture that God paints for us in His Word. That is God's people. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has tuned us to Himself. He's redeemed us. He has caused us to be in tune now again with the living God. Through His redeeming work, we are no longer living at odds with the God who created us. But we have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, through His redemption. And we have the joy of sharing that redemption, that experience of peace with God with one another. Now, this side of heaven, it's not going to be perfect. This side of heaven, it, is, it takes a lot of work. Um, it, it's, it's, it's like being married. You know, those, those of you who are married, uh, you know uh, it takes work to keep loving each other. I, I thought I was really a nice guy until I got married. And I didn't realize how selfish and self-centered and mean I could be. But praise God for His grace in Jesus Christ. That God has the power to forgive, to break, not only take away the guilt of sin, but He is sanctifying us. He's not only justified us. That takes away the guilt of our sin. The second we believe in Jesus. But he is sanctifying us, growing us in Christ. And our experience of oneness, to whatever degree we are close to Jesus, to that degree we will experience oneness with those around us. 
I have never had something between me and my wife, but what first and foremost, there was something between me and Jesus. And that's true. Every in every marriage, um, parents and children, if if you're having a hard time, uh, there's sin. And praise God, we've got a Savior. His name is Jesus. Well, quickly, um, we've talked a little bit about the basis and source of Christian unity. But let's look at two other things that we haven't really... We've talked about the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus. Uh, But look in Romans chapter 15. um, And I want you to see how God uses His Word. And we're going to come back here in a minute to another passage and see the same thing. But I want you to see that it was the Word of God being applied uh, to God's people that caused them to grow up and experience Christian unity. Verse 4, For whatever was written, talking, he's just quoted from Psalm 69, Talking about the Old Testament. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. It is our hope in Jesus that is based upon the revealed Word of the living God that is the basis of this unity uh, being fleshed out. What does it mean to have unity in Jesus? Well, it means that we believe the same truth as God has revealed Himself. Um, Over in verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This Christian unity is something that flows out of and is based upon not only the redeeming work of Jesus, but if you ever hear, and praise God, you you won't, by the grace of God, ever hear it from your dear pastor or Pastor Vandermerving, but if you ever hear a preacher that begins to pit the living Word of God against the written Word of God, run! And that's what the liberals in our day and time have done. They've pitted the living Word of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, against His Word that comes out of His mouth. And that's not how you can experience or ever have Christian unity. It is the Jesus of the Bible who gives us peace with God. And it is the Word of the living God that is the basis of our unity, uh, of experiencing and growing up in this living Lord Jesus. Over in John chapter 17, turn back there uh, with me. In John chapter 17, I want you to notice uh, in verse 15, the Lord Jesus, well, look at verse 14. I have given them your word, 
And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. What is it that characterizes a child of God? Yes, we belong to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the truth of God's Word that is the content of all of that. Keep reading. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And the little verb, is, if you think in terms of of mathematics, 2 plus 2 is what? Is is, is a, a way that we would say equals. And so Jesus tells us the truth equals what? God's written, revealed will. The Holy Scriptures. And that's what Jesus is at work doing by His Spirit. He is... Growing us up, conforming us more and more to the image of of His glory. Um, All right, let's look at... um, How does God bless us with Christian unity? Well, we've already seen over in Romans 15 that God uses that to encourage us and to give us perseverance. But I want you to turn with me uh, to Psalm 133. I, I love Psalm 133. When I was a little boy, I used to just love when the liberal pastor in the church that I grew up uh, would have Psalm 133 as the responsive reading. Not because I had a clue what the psalm was all about, but I just thought it was a funny psalm. It, it was really a cool psalm because it was talking about some old geezer that had a beard and oil was poured on his head and there was oil dripping all over him. And, and then there was Herman and the only Herman I knew anything about was Herman Munster. And, and so it was just a great psalm. I mean, you know, it was, it was good. Well, you know, poor little Henry just, I didn't have a clue. But this really is a glorious psalm. Look what God says is the incredible blessing that Jesus gives to us as we grow up in Him, feeding upon His Word, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, of of experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus to put off the old man more and more and to experience putting on the new man in Christ Jesus. Look at Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in what? Unity. He says how good and how pleasant. And then he uses a couple of examples. He says it is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. What's he making reference to? Well, when Aaron was set apart to be a priest, he was anointed. 
And it was a symbol of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon him to empower him to do the work uh, that he was called to do. And God says that when we love our God and share the glory of God together in Jesus Christ, uh, when we live together in unity as a congregation of God's people, uh, instead of quarreling like Yodi and Syntyche, um, when they got reconciled, oh, it was sweet. It was like the oil that was poured out upon Aaron. It, it was a symbol of the Holy Spirit coming to sanctify and to empower. God uses Christian unity to be a blessing to other people. God uses Christian unity. Um, have, I, I, I love fires in the fireplace. I mean, you, you want to make sure you build it in the fireplace. But in the wintertime, I love to build a fire and, and to either read the scriptures or after I've, I've read the scriptures to have some book that I've really enjoyed and, and just relax there by the fire. I love fires. But you know, fires are funny. Because fires go out. And if you take one coal out of that fire and just put it out by itself, how long will it last compared to the other coals in the fire? Oh, it'll go out a long time before all the other coals. But why? Because those coals are feeding each other. And Jesus calls us to be people who, as we share the love of Jesus, like we heard in the last session, as we do that, as we sing praise to God together, as we minister one to another, as we come alongside one another and help one another and bear one another's burden, God uses that Christian unity to stir us up to love Jesus more, to press on, to persevere, to be encouraged, as we read in Romans 15. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron. And then look at verse 3. It's like the dew of Hermon. And it's talking about this big mountain, a snow-covered mountain. And the, in that region, it, it was a barren desert land. And the wind would pass over Hermon and pick up moisture. And then it, it would come and deposit that moisture in the form of dew. And if you are familiar with uh, uh, how plants live, they have to have water. And God says, that's how it is. We will begin to shrivel up. And God, one of the tools he uses is as we feed upon Jesus and share his word together, feeding upon the truth of God's word 
together. God uses how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And we've experienced this. You experience it in your own families. You know, husband and wife, what a sweet blessing it is when you're loving each other. But ooh, how miserable it is when things aren't going well. Hmm, it's a discouragement. Oh, it hurts, doesn't it? And so it is in the family of God. Uh, what a blessing it is when God's people dwell together in unity. All right, let's look at one more passage. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Now, I, I never get discouraged. Anybody believe that? I mean, that, that, that would be just a bold-faced lie. We all struggle with discouragement. You know, you get a cold. It's hard not to get discouraged. You have a flat tire. It's hard not to get discouraged. If you struggle with sin, oh, that really is discouraging. If other, uh, somebody else close to you is struggling with sin, that, that's discouraging. If you look at our culture, whoo, that can be discouraging. There's all kinds of things to discourage us. And so, look at verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Have you ever known somebody who professed to love Jesus and, and now they don't? That's chilling. That's chilling. That's chilling. Do you love Jesus? If you do, He will keep you. But sometimes we grow weary. Sometimes we grow discouraged. Sometimes we grow so discouraged we feel like giving up. And look what God tells us about Christian unity, the practice of it. Verse 13, but exhort or encourage one another day by day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And, and, and so we're just, as I said, just scratching the surface. Uh, God uses Christian unity in a powerful way. Um, how good and how pleasant it is. But of course, the greatest blessing that we have is, as we heard in the session before, as we experience and practice Christian unity, we are giving glory to God. And that's our greatest joy and our greatest need. You know, the catechism is exactly right. That is what Scripture teaches. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to, in, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You know, a lot of people leave off the last part and enjoy Him forever. But a, a, a Christian ought to be delighting 
uh, to live for the praise of God. And sometimes pursuing Christian unity uh, is not easy. Um, what are some of the dangers? Well, a hard heart. Uh, your heart grows cold. And um, we, we, we forget who God is and we forget who we are. You know, dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, horrible diseases. Well, you know what? I'm prone to get spiritual Alzheimer's. I, I, I get so busy sometimes, I begin to forget who my great God is. Now, how could that be? You say, Henry, how could you forget? Well, do you ever go through the day and you get so busy you quit thinking about Jesus? Do you, do you ever get so busy that you, you forget to pray? It's not that you go, you know, I ought to pray, but I'm not going. I just, I just forget. Oh, may the Lord come by His Spirit and, and bless us to be those uh, who remember, remember the glory of Jesus. And that God would use us to be a blessing. In John 17, the Lord Jesus, he prayed, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me. You see, here's the bottom line. We're not here for our own ease. We're here for His glory. And he is worthy. And so sometimes it's easy to love those around you. But sometimes it's hard. Like that old lady who said, Now I've never thought about divorcing him, but I have thought about murdering him several times. It takes God's grace for us to continue to love one another and to practice the oneness that Jesus says he and the Father enjoyed before the foundation of the world and he enjoys now and he invites us to enter in more and more with Christian unity with our God and with one another. Well, may the Lord encourage and bless and strengthen you. And if you know of someone that you are not one with, um, what do you need to do? 
Well, you need to go to them and seek to be reconciled. Now, we'll talk more about that. Um, feed upon Christ. You want to experience more oneness in your home? Seek Jesus together. Pray together. Husband and wife, if you're having a hard time, I'm telling you, it's hard to fight when you're praying. Now, I've done it. But it, you really have to work hard to fight when you're praying. Feed on Christ. Learn His revealed will. Now, I, I don't know how it is in this congregation, but... We have a lot of people that come Sunday morning. Uh, we have pretty good attendance at Sunday school. And we have what I call the Marine Corps unit that comes Sunday evening. Okay, now I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who's in the Marine Corps here at Breville Heights. But if you want to grow in Christian unity, I pray that God will make you hungry. To know the Word of God. And, and I mean, it's like somebody who says, well, you know, I, I only eat one time a week. I mean, how absurd. I, we ought to be just hungry. Hungry to know this great God that made the heavens and the earth. And so that's one of the take-homes. You need to think about that. How hungry are you for God? And if you, you say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not very hungry. Beg God to make you hungry. And sometimes he puts us in a real strange uh, workout machine in his gymnasium um, to get our attention to grow us. Um. In your family, Joshua 24, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I pray God will bless you, head of, of, of households, uh, that you will uh, show uh, the delight to have fellowship with God and fellowship with God's people. Um, one last passage. This, this, I promise, this is the last one. Hebrews chapter 10. I, I can't resist. Hebrews chapter 10. I, and it won't take long. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. He's talked about the great redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. Verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus... By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Now look at verse 24. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. 
okay? Now, you don't want to stop right after provoke. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. And so I want you to think, you know, not all premeditation is bad. Now, you, you don't want to, premeditated murder is bad. But this passage is calling upon us, let us consider, premeditate. You be thinking, what can I do to show the love of Jesus that we heard about last session? That's what this Christian unity is, is to be pursued in our homes, in our church family. Let us consider how to stir one another, provoke one another to love and good works. When was the last time you had somebody over to your home? Now, you don't have to, you don't have to get to China out. I, I, if you want to, you can, but you don't have to. And you don't even have to cook a meal. You can go down to the grocery store and get Henry's favorite ice cream and, and, and some hot fudge sauce and, and, if they're not diabetic, invite them to come and just have an ice cream party. We need to be thinking, what can I do? It doesn't have to be some humongous um, you don't have to go and, and kill the fatted calf and, and have cooked for three days. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Well, uh, we got to stop. But uh, Christian unity, wow, what a blessing. And uh, the world is watching. The world is watching. And uh, I pray that the love of Jesus will so burn in your hearts and your homes that people will be attracted to Jesus as you grow even more. And I know you love each other, but even more, uh, the world will be attracted to Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these dear ones. Lord, if there be any in this place uh, who does not have uh, their sins washed away, oh Lord, uh, impress upon them that um, they are in horrible danger and they need peace with you and that, Lord, uh, they would hear your sweet uh, voice calling them even this evening, Lord Jesus, to repent and run to you. And Lord, those of us who do know you, oh Lord, we thank you for the oneness that we have with you, our great God. And you've made us a new creation in you, Lord Jesus. And you've given us the joy to serve you and minister to those around us in your name. Lord, we are hungry. We want to learn who you are, your perfections. 
We want to learn your paths. We want to learn the Holy Scriptures together to have the mind of of you, Lord Jesus. Uh, Lord, and to share it together better for your praise.